0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans.
1: Zupans Markets, we're proud to have them with us, and uh, I've been really enjoying my visits to Zupans over the last six months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, they were always in my repertoire yep. of grocery stores, but lately have been my main go-to point, and uh, I'm really enjoying myself. You know, I'm not, I don't love to cook. I'm single, Yeah. I don't love to cook at home, so right. I've, I've been going in and... Picking up some prepared food,
0: which is delicious and a good value. You you particularly have are fond of the poke bar, right? Which has been awesome because yeah, because it's a uh, it's on my drive home. I hit the Burnside location, which right now is the only location that has the poke bar, but it will be expanding in uh, this new year to the other locations. But five varieties of poke seafood salads, three types of rice and toppings. It's great. Make your own little poke bar, or bring the whole family down for like a little outing.
1: Yeah, well, you can actually go. They have events there. Yeah. the Cellar Z series, right? Um, in uh, Lake Grove, I've been to one of their dinners there. It's fantastic. So they have wine tasting and learning. Uh, in March, they're featuring Spanish wines, which you know I've had the g- opportunity to experience in Spain. Yeah, great thing to do, and you can find details on those events at uh, zupans.com. They also have are now doing a sausage of the month
0: I saw this on their Instagram account and uh, I think right now it's their jalapeno cheddar but it changes all the time yes and they're all
1: delicious there's yeah. so much there when I go in I don't have anything in mind I just go in and see what appeals to me and mm-hmm. lots of times I'm walking out with some quiche sometimes some fish
0: and I particularly love their soups too. an easy way to keep up on uh, everything happening at Zupan's is their website brand new website you can find out what's fresh and new. ZooPans.com. That's actually where I figured out. I, I did my Valentine's Day shopping at ZooPans.com. Yeah, well. He, Ordered the flowers
1: online. It was awesome. Right. Court's still in his, in his lovely marriage as a result of that. <laughs> it's
0: true. Mm. This is right at the fork. It is Portland's food scene podcast, and he's coming to us live from the Oregon coast, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's I'm glad, glad to Angeles. be here. I
1: actually, I told you I ran down the beach because we had a, an appointment. Yeah, to do this, and uh, I was running a little behind.
0: No, you you made it in, in plenty of time, and uh, we're we're excited that with the you know the marvels of technology that uh, it almost sounds like you and I are in the same room.
1: Yeah, well, we can do this in the future, I suppose. No, I like being in the same room. I think it, it's important. You get, so, uh, with, especially with our guests, you and I can do this. but sure. With our guests, I think it's nice, and this is a special occasion uh, for us to be recording this intro right now. Yeah. Because we made the decision to do, we've, we've done a couple of repeats in the past, and the reason that repeats are great, we like our interviews to be evergreen, so that they're good for on and on, and in this case, we recorded this interview with Maya Lovelace in December of 2015, it actually might have been in November, it was released in December, mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's in the archives. And as you and I have discussed in the past, one of the things we've learned about doing podcasts is a large percentage of downloads every month go back into our archives. But a large percentage of those are the previous two or three months. Right. The, so I don't know whether many people got back to listen to Maya Lovelace's interview that we did. Actually, it was the last interview we did before you became my trustee and uh, appreciated
0: co-host. Oh, wow, I, I appreciate all of those adjectives.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's been, it's been great. And, and so as a matter of fact, looking, at, looking back in time, we now have four to five times more listeners than we had when this originally streamed. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a treat for those people who haven't heard this interview, uh, and there's a reason we'll address that in a second where we want to run that right now, but for those who haven't heard it, it's a great interview, it's very lively, and for those who did hear it, um, as was the case with me uh, back in December of 2015, it's you, I don't remember a lot of it, I remember the nuances, but uh, but it was really nice to hear Maya's take on everything in December then, and and then for those people who know what's gone on with May and Maya since, to generate a little perspective. Yeah. And she also talks about other restaurants that, like and for instance, she mentions um, Han. At Kim Jong Grillin'. And at the time, he had told both of us he had no interest in opening a brick and mortar restaurant. And now he's got three. Right. So uh, I think he's got three, maybe two. I don't know if two if, and maybe uh, one right. on the way. But so, so, and at the time, Maya really didn't want to open a brick and mortar, but hers has become slightly more brick and mortarish. So you can see the development of May mm-hmm. between, I guess it's about 14 months, 15 months since this interview. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's a lot of chit chat. But what I, but what's important is what's going on with Maya. I at the time, the first time I had a meal at May, I said to quite a few people, "She's the one. Watch her." And I'm not, I'm not very right about many things. As it turns out, I like to think I might be. Yeah. But in this case, I think I, I hit the hit the mark. So since then, Maya has been. Uh, Eater Chef of the Year 2016, and most recently, I think a huge accolades nationwide, she was nominated as a rising star chef for the James Beard Foundation, and those that takes place uh, in a month and a half, I think, or a couple of months, but she is one of the nominees representing Portland in a, in a deep pool of chefs that are uh, representing Portland in this year's class uh, of James Beard nominees,
0: yeah. No, it was it was uh, kind of fun to watch that because typically we kind of zero in on those those nominations coming in for the Pacific Northwest, and then to see Maya nominated nationally for the rising star, right.
1: and Gabriel Rucker once again, yep, for uh, for outstanding chef nationwide. That's mm-hmm. cool, and we also have a a great group uh, for Best Chef Northwest, and I'm missing a category or two. I can't remember all of them, but the important thing here is. Maya is just wonderful. If you listen to Right at the Fork, you'll see. Uh, I, why. I, one of the reasons I love her so is she is articulate, energetic, and just kept things going. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, every interview isn't as lively as this one is. And uh, boy, I'd love to revisit again. Maybe not right now, but towards the end of the year after we see what happens with James Beard and, and where she's going to go with May. At some point, because uh, she's now has. Just to be clear, when this interview ran, she only had her Wednesday night dinners, and she used. She was talking about not using brown paper tickets anymore to find her dinners. Well, now you can find them again on brown paper tickets. And she has a brunch on Sunday and a Monday night, uh, I guess it's called meat plus three. She does a slightly smaller smaller meal. The Wednesday thing is crazy and it sells out in like four minutes when she puts, puts it up. So it's great to be able to look back in our archives and uncover these gems. And that is what Maya is.
2: Right at the Fork is brought to you by Leanne Bach. Choosing the right realtor can make or break the buying or selling experience in real estate. Leanne Bach is in tune with the ever-changing Portland landscape, especially as it pertains to our food and restaurant world. Why not work with someone who's in step with you and has years of experience to work on your behalf? Find Leanne at LeanneBach.com. L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H dot com. Zoo Pans, Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zoo Pans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Food Trekking World. Coming soon in Portland is Food Trekking World, the world's largest convention of trade professionals. Food and beverage meet travel and hospitality. Business-to-business appointments speeches, and hundreds of professionals you'll want to meet from all over the world. It's April 2nd through the 4th at the Sentinel Hotel. Find out more at foodtrekkingworld.org. That's trekking with two Ks. For our listeners only, use promo code FORK, F-O-R-K and get $200 off right now. And by Portland Food Adventures. Did you know you can eat and drink your way through Europe with chefs like Atala's Jose Chesa and Lardo's Rick Giancarelli? Join Right at the Fork host Chris Angelus and his great chef friends for these trips of a lifetime to Barcelona, and Tuscany in September and October. Get to PortlandFoodAdventures.com and click on the blog tab to see pricing and itineraries.
1: How oh, are you on the festival later? But oh, well. speaking of what I wanted to do when I was a kid, what did you want to do when you were a kid?
3: I think I wanted to be a veterinarian or a singer. That was the plan. Are you a good singer? I'm okay.
1: Really? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to sing for us today? No. Oh. <laughs> all right. I guess that's only fair. Not to put you on the spot with your voice.
3: We'll go do karaoke sometime.
1: Okay. I've not I've done k- karaoke once since oh. I've been in Oregon. Well, it's a thing. I know, but I would scare people away. I'm not, I don't have a good singing voice <laughs> at all. I'm just... You don't
3: have to. It's all about stage presence, I think, with karaoke.
1: Yeah? Okay. I think so. All
3: right.
1: You and I will go do that. Yeah. <laughs> want to try it on, in December.
3: Yeah, sure. Okay.
1: Um, so, um, so you said a singer and a
3: veterinarian. Veterinarian. Yeah.
1: So you're an animal lover.
3: Yeah, I love animals. I grew up uh, in a family that always had tons of pets. So
1: how many how many kids in your family?
3: Uh, just me and my sister, older sister.
1: And that was where
3: in Beaufort, North Carolina.
1: Beaufort, North Carolina. Because mm-hmm. I know Beaufort. South Carolina.
3: Right. There's a lot of confusion generally between so the two.
1: So, whereabouts in North Carolina is that?
3: So, Beaufort is on the coast. It's very close to the Outer Banks, if you're familiar with the Outer Banks, like I Cape am, Hatteras. And,
1: mm-hmm, I've and been all there. That stuff. Yeah. And that's also where my pooch comes from. Oh, really? Oakley comes from the Outer Banks.
3: Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Beaufort is like a little tiny town that's just south of the Outer Banks. It's at the, the bottom kind of tip. So,
1: and so, that was pretty isolated.
3: Yeah, it's pretty isolated. It's a really small town. Um, It's part of a kind of an interesting group of small towns. Uh, It's actually really interesting. There's um, kind of off the shore. There are all these weird little islands that are connected that are generally referred to together as down east. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are islands that were totally isolated for a very long time. So everyone that lives there has kind of this interesting uh, like Cockney British accent.
1: Where's your accent? You have I think no I, southern I, accent. I got rid you of got it. Nothing.
3: I think I was I was ready to get rid of it by the time I.
1: Yeah, but you, people <laughs> don't just make that decision.
3: I don't know. I guess I did. It'll come out sometimes if if I am around someone who so has an accent. Southern
1: or Br- Cockney British accent. Southern.
3: So so basically, my family um, is not from there. Uh, my dad's side of the family is from Hickory, North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, which is up towards the mountains, and then my mom's family was like military so from everywhere uh but my grandmother on that side of the family is from Cape Cod um and my grandfather was from Virginia and they were just kind of bopping all over the place
1: did you get to go to Cape Cod at all as a no kid? I've never been
3: never really? ever yeah never oh, ever. oh it's beautiful I hear it <laughs> I hear that it's wonderful but well, yeah I've never been there
1: somewhere on your bucket list do you have other places oh, yeah. on your, on a on your bucket list that you want to go
3: yeah I actually haven't gotten to travel much i've i've only been out of the country one time ever i went to a lot of people have
1: never been oh so vancouver is your out of the (laughs) country experience
3: vancouver is my one experience yeah so i i mean i would like to go everywhere in a perfect world um and yeah that's that's it everywhere
1: where where's so if you if you if someone you just run a game show and you want a trip to anywhere and it was three weeks for uh, three months from now where would you want to go
3: Southeast Asia.
1: That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the food you're, you, that's right. your food of choice. Yeah.
3: I actually, I just went to Mika on Sandy right before I came here. Yeah. yeah.
1: Almost every day you're doing yeah. something Asian. Yeah,
2: That's pretty funny. Javier,
1: I know mm-hmm. you're there a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I asked you when we had occasion to hang out for a few minutes uh, a couple of months ago, why yeah. is it that so many chefs, is it because they're open later when they're not no. work, when they get off of work, why is it that so many chefs love those flavors?
3: I think it's because they are flavors that are so complex that are also not rooted in the cuisine that we're also familiar with. You know, it's like you go to culinary school or you don't go to culinary school, but you generally come up cooking French food, like classic French technique, Italian food and all of all of that. And like new American cuisine, all of it is kind of the same route. Of flavors, You know, you're working with onions and garlic sauteed in butter. You're starting all of your stuff there. You're doing meat sauce reductions, all of that stuff. That's not the same as as all of the like Southeast Asian flavors. So everything's very bold. Everything is very balanced. And it's foreign to the things that we know how to do. And I find that chefs generally crave the food that they don't know how to cook.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. So, and it's interesting that you're so good at Southern fare and <laughs> they're not even related. You can't, I don't even know any, maybe you'll mention one or we, that would come, that would be obvious, but I can't think of anyone who's fused the two.
3: Uh, Southern and yeah, Asian? Yeah,
1: Southern and Asian.
3: Oh yeah. So there's uh, a chef named Ed Lee mm-hmm. uh, in Louisville, I think in Louisville, in Kentucky, and he does uh, Korean and Southern Oh, interesting. Which actually intersect. And so what does
1: that end up looking like? So so basically
3: if you think about it there's, you know, Korean food and southern food, there's barbecue, and there's, there's fried pickles, chicken. Mm-hmm, there's fried chicken, there's rice like a big rice culture. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a lot of natural overlap there. There's whiskey. You know, all of those things are kind of the same, so you find a way to meet in the middle with all of that stuff. Um yeah, I feel like it's it's a thing that's kind of popping up more and more like you have the guys from a Stray dogs, stray mm-hmm. birds—they're doing their kind of fried chicken and cornbread, their mm-hmm. style. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of natural connection that can be made there.
1: Cool. So when you were a kid, what was did you? You're in a small town, mm-hmm. so family dinners—you were around yeah. the table with the four of you, was yeah. it? Um, <laughs> but we did was that like a nightly thing, or had had a?
3: Yeah, we we ate dinner together pretty much every night. Um and going out was, was fairly rare. Um, there
1: probably weren't a lot of places to go. No, there weren't Any a lot, lot of places.
3: Event. We had like our, our special occasion places, and we had, you know, the pizza joint or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't a lot of interesting food where I grew up.
1: And so was your mom a great, well, I just want to get to what sparked <laughs> your interest. Yeah. And did it spark, you know, something had to move you away from singing and veterina- veterinary right. aspirations. Right, right.
3: I mean, i I loved cooking when I was a little kid because my parents had a great collection of cookbooks. Um, I really remember sitting in front of, you know, like a glass front cupboard and just staring at all of the cookbooks and picking things out that I wanted to read. Like I remember when I was like probably ten, I got the the silver palette cookbook down and and started wanting to cook all of those things. So eventually, my parents would let me cook things for them. I was actually thinking about this yesterday. I was watching uh, the Great British Bake Off, which has become kind of a nice like mellow thing for me to do when I need to relax. And they were making soufflés. And I remembered when I was young (laughs) and my parents told me I could cook whatever I wanted for them for dinner out of I think it was the Silver Palette cookbook. And I picked a raspberry soufflé. And I don't know if you've ever seen a child try to make <laughs> like, no, it was terrible, and I re- it
1: couldn't be very far from oh when my mother God. attempted it.
3: It was so bad; it was it was probably one of the worst things I've ever cooked. And I just remember it collapsed into like this pool of a uh, wet egg white and raspberry seeds, like whole seeds. And I remember my parents ate it, and they told me it was great. So, so they were very nice. Do you think
1: they really meant it? No,
3: I mean, or maybe they did. Maybe they thought it was great maybe. because I did it, which is very right.
1: Sweet. But you were, were, are. Maybe you were very hard on yourself. Are you hard on yourself now? Oh, my God. It's
3: terrible. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really, really bad at that. Fortunately, uh, my partner, Zach, can pull me out of it really easily. Like he says and how that, does he
1: pull you out of it?
3: I mean, he just says like you're doing that thing that, that you do. Like he's very used to me being, I'm kind of cocky um, about food because I I believe in myself on a level. But then like when the crunch time hits like an hour before service starts, I just totally lose it. I'm like, oh, everything's garbage. Throw it away. I hate it. That's it not a
1: good face. time to, to feel no, that way. No,
3: it's not. Maybe like, a
1: day before, but not yeah, No, hour. I do it
3: right before is oh, that, when I start to doubt myself. And that's got to stress
1: him out a little bit, too, because yeah. he's in the kitchen <laughs> with you. I know.
3: <laughs> but he's, he's very level um, and rational. So he's able to be like, listen, this is not a good time for you to do this. So if you could just pull it back a little
1: bit. <laughs> so how does it happen every week?
3: Um, not Not every week. But I would say probably one time out of like five. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's okay. It's
3: fine. It's not that bad.
1: It's not chronic. Right. So, but you're, so if you're a perfectionist, that Mm -hmm. leads to better things, right?
2: Right. Right. I think
1: so. Have you ever stood in front of people and say, well, this wasn't my best effort, but do do you, can you say that or would you say that? No,
3: no. I basically think you have to either throw it away or you have to fake it, you know? Like if you're not happy with something, I think you should throw it away. I think you should not serve anything that you're unhappy with ever. I think most chefs feel that way. Um, but if there's a situation where you have to put that up and you're not hundred percent behind it, you have to pretend because a lot of the time if you're excited enough about something, you can get other people well, excited. Well, and that's probably the time
1: it. when people are saying, This is the best thing I've ever I had. I know,
3: right? And you're just sitting there like so, oh, so gosh.
1: your palate isn't always like everyone else's. So you Right. You know, you do your best based on what you think. So, how Mm -hmm. does it feel to step back? Because you've worked in quite a few really nice restaurants, right? Husk, Mm -hmm. right? Which is getting a lot of play. I was just watching Anthony Bourdain's episode. Did you watch that? Mm -hmm. The the recent episode? That was was really cool. and, and Beast mm-hmm. and Tanuki, which I'd love yeah. to talk a little bit about. <laughs> for sure. Actually, all of them. They're not, they don't sound like, uh, I don't know anything about Husk, but I've been to Tanuki and Beast. Right. They're not easy kitchens to work in, I would think. The standards are very high. Right. And the personalities are a little strong. Mm-hmm. Um, does that, and do, are you like that in your kitchen or do you, how, do, how did that work for you as a
3: I think that I think I'm pretty good at being a soldier when I need to be. I feel like I'm I'm good at taking direction, um, but I feel like maybe sometimes I can be a little a little tough. And I think it's important to be tough on your cooks. It's important to be tough on the people who are learning from you. You know, you have to be able to teach them properly. You have to motivate them to do things the right way. I'm not like I don't yell or anything. Um, And I haven't really worked in very yelly kitchens, uh, which I think is really important, you know, trying to keep things if you keep things on an even keel, if you keep things calm, but you can calmly tell someone like you really messed that up. um, I would like you to please throw that away and redo it. And you need to hustle because it needs to be ready in 10 minutes. If you can do that calmly and and kindly, um, but still get that point across. I think that's kind of the ideal
1: Well, I think I, you know, I haven't worked in a kitchen in years, Right. (laughs) but I would think that that leads to that kind of attitude just leads to consistency because the longer you're able to retain people, Mm -hmm. the less you have to reinvent, reteach them. And the more likely it is that dishes are going to come out consistently.
3: Right. And, you know, I I think that it's all about yeah, being able to kind of control anger. A kitchen is controlled chaos always. So you have to be able to really tap into the controlled part of it.
1: Um, do you feel that way at May with what you're doing? I never got a feeling I was sitting a little far away, but oh, I it's totally chaotic. I didn't get any feeling of chaos, but everything, I was far enough away.
3: Everything is always chaos, but you have to you have to do the turn away from everyone and have the chaos, and then when you turn around, you have to have that's the that's face put on, that. and you have to be ready to to interact with people and. And make their experience as far removed from the chaos as possible. That's really what a restaurant is. You're you're putting on a facade of something being very calm and put together. When frequently it's not that way in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and and at Beast, you're right out there.
3: Exactly. There's so no hiding. There's, there's
1: no, no hiding at yeah. all. It has to be right there. Right. The only escape is for people to be enjoying their food Mm -hmm. so much that they're not paying attention to what's going on in the the kitchen, I guess.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Working there was really, really fun. Um, I had a great time with that and obviously learned a lot from Naomi. Um, she's very talented. She's also an incredible businesswoman, Um, and I hope that I managed to, uh, learn that side of things from her. Um, because I mean, obviously she's built herself up time and time again, uh, which is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And I hope to kind of be building myself up in the same way if that makes sense. Would
1: you want to have a restaurant like hers? Would you want to have a restaurant more like hers or like Tanuki?
3: Well, see, I think that <laughs> I think that there's a funny thing that's happened with me more than any of the other like young chefs that I know, where what I'm doing right now is like a perfect, strange summary. Of yeah, all of it is the a little bit I've of a worked. hybrid. Of, if you think about it, yeah. May is kind of equal parts. It, it's it's like Beast because it's, you know, everybody sits down at the same time. Everybody gets the same meal. It's set courses, right. which is also kind of how Tanuki is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't allow any substitutions or anything like that. We tell people that they can't come if they have allergies, kind of like Tanuki. And then the food obviously draws heavily on the influence of, of husk, like the, the aesthetic of like southern comfort and uh hospitality
1: that's something that you planned or that you just realized
3: i I just realized it basically it just kind of all came together like that i just had all these ideas happening and they all kind of compiled into what may is right now
1: and what was the uh, where did the road go from Tanuki, because that's where I think I first saw you to May. How did that happen?
3: Well, basically, so after I left Beast, uh, I started working at Bollywood Theater, which obviously, awesome restaurant, uh, awesome people. Troy is a very, very talented chef, and he's a great guy. Um, I was working there, and I have a tendency to not be satisfied with my work unless I have a certain amount of creativity, so... I was kind of not satisfied with with what I was doing, working 40 hours a week at Bollywood um, and was obviously friends with Janice Martin from Tanuki and she needed someone. And how
1: would you you become friends?
3: I think, well, the first the first time we officially met uh, was when I worked at Beast and uh, Naomi had tickets to a whole goat roast that Janice was doing at Tanuki. Uh,
1: only in Portland, by the way. <laughs> I That's the, hey, I've got tickets and backstage passes.
3: <laughs> and uh, for some reason, she was unable to go. And she was just like, hey, do you want to go to this this goat thing, this goat dinner? And I was like, yes, of course. Uh, so I ended up doing that. And that was the night that I actually met Janice. And then I just kept going to Tanuki because how could you not? <laughs> and we ended up, you know, talking. We share um, a similar sick sense of humor and...
1: I don't think no sick sense of humor. <laughs> I haven't seen it come out of you yet, but maybe someday.
3: I think I respond to my environment. Um, it's just like the accent coming out. The sense of humor comes out if I'm around someone else with the same thing. I adapt quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: All right. So you and then so you talked to Janice and yeah. ended up working. For yeah, her over there, yeah. Huh?
3: Basically, we became friends. I remember. You know, I would just go after I got off work at Beast. I would go out there and grab a drink with her and she would play bartender therapist and we'd talk about the portland food scene and my dreams and her dreams her experiences all that stuff And it just it worked out well that way um and so when i was looking for something extra to do i started working at tanuki as well and then it kind of got to a point where i still was missing something which was cooking my own food um
1: so you didn't have the the leeway there to do some of your own things
3: at Tanuki, Yeah. No, I mean, Janice is very much, you know, she's king of the castle. That's that restaurant bar. Excuse me. <laughs> mm, yeah, <that's>, I didn't <laughs> that say it. I am going to get in so
1: much for trouble. For the record, that didn't come out oh of my, my mouth. Oh, my
3: God. I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that is, that is her as a person. That's her personality. Right. Everything about her embodied in one space. And I couldn't step on that, you know.
1: So at what point did you start thinking about May?
3: Um, I don't even I don't remember exactly how it started. I think so. I went uh, last year, New Year's Day. I went to Muscadine, the Southern restaurant uh, that's at like 15th and what is that, 15th and Prescott? Ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I went there and was having brunch, and I was just thinking about the fact I was like, oh, there. Are, they're only open for breakfast and lunch. Like, I wonder,
1: I wonder if people go to,
3: well, no, I was basically like, I wonder if, if I could ever come in here and, and do something for dinner. And that just kind of got all the gears going. Um, And I started thinking about what I would do, how I wanted to express kind of my version of Southern food um, and how I was going to be able to do that. And that just kind of led me down the path where I left, uh, I left Tanuki and cut my hours back at Bollywood and started doing the dinners then. And obviously since then it's it's bloomed into more of a full fledged thing. But yeah, it just all happened really organically and slowly, which was nice.
1: And so how did it feel to have your own thing and be the in charge of your whole thing and, and look oh, out man. and see people enjoying themselves and, and having them come back.
3: It's the best you've got a regular you've
1: got regulars who yeah. come every Wednesday. Yeah,
3: which is so awesome. Um, it's such a good feeling, you know, especially after having worked in, in higher positions in restaurants, but still, you know, not with full control. Um, I was lucky enough at Beast to have a hand in writing the menus and, and do the ingredient sourcing, getting to know all the people at the farmer's market, all that stuff. But it still wasn't, it wasn't me Mm -hmm. because it couldn't be because it's Naomi as a person, you know, um. And so, yeah, it's, it's a really incredible feeling to be able to do that. You know, I, I talk a lot about showing love through food um, and how that's kind of the Southern way to me. And being able to do that on a grand scale with people that I haven't met before, you know, to, to have people show up and sit down and get excited and to cook for them. And then at the end of the meal, they want to give me a hug. Like that's the best feeling in the world, and so many people hug me like every night. Oh,
1: you're very huggable. Thank I, you. <laughs> I that.
3: But yeah, it's it's a great feeling. It's it's rewarding.
1: But I think your kind of food uh, leads to that. I think so too. It's very, it's, it's very lovey. intimate. It's very, very loving. So yeah. when you have all those wonderful, very homey and very comforting mm-hmm. foods, and then you get to the fried chicken. <laughs> Uh, then you need to hug somebody yeah. at that point. Yeah, I think and that's... I like
3: that. You know, I I like food that's that's exciting and thought provoking as well. You know, I really enjoy, you know, for instance, Castagna. You know, you go to Castagna and you sit down and everything's thought provoking and everything is just perfection. And you're like, oh wow, this is incredible. It doesn't necessarily make you want to hug somebody. It's a different kind of of perfection. It's like an emotional kind mm-hmm. of food, basically um and i i really like doing it so
1: uh where do you plan on going how long do you want to do wednesday nights at be at old salt oh i and know and then when do you want to have your little restaurant with may perhaps may uh, on the front of it
3: i i don't know people ask me that question all the time you know i think that there's when when you have a pop up or even to an extent when you have a food cart people are always like okay well when are you when are you doing the thing when are you going to actually Open a restaurant, um, and honestly, it's. I
1: asked Han that the other day. You introduced yeah. me to Han. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Going, and he said, "No, I don't <laughs> want like, to no, do that. Yeah. I want to do this. This food exactly. cart is that's what I am."
3: Exactly, and I think that to an extent, lately, when people have been asking me that question, I'm just like, I don't, I don't think I want that right right now. now.
1: Next year, you there's, might.
3: There's so many restaurants opening here constantly, which is great and exciting, but I just don't know how much room there is.
1: Oh, I think there's room. You think so? For something good, great. Yeah, yeah but... No, you but, just keep, go- keep going and... Uh, it's just
3: nerve-wracking, though. Yeah,
1: but uh, look at, you know, people like John Gorham. And, and oh, yeah. Just read This Morning Country Cats going into Pine Street Market. They're not stopping. Oh. So, and a little different concept, so they're twisting it that's a That's pretty bit. cool. So, uh, no, I think there's room. There's not yeah. room for everybody, but there's room for you. That's, <laughs> well, that's
3: that's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I do know. I feel like maybe, maybe if I get to the point where I actually know a little bit more about the business side of things because you know I've I've been around for opening restaurants I was on the opening team at Husk and all of that stuff but I haven't done the business end of it um, so well, you're
1: doing a little of the business I'm end practicing of the now it's yeah, once a I'm week practicing. You, you need to multiply that times you know right five
3: right and, and it's a much larger volume so basically I'm like I'm in the kiddie pool right now and so maybe maybe sometime soon I'll be ready to pop in the kitchen
1: you know, I don't know about you court, but I've gone through a number of real estate transactions in my mm-hmm. time and I've had some great ones and I've had some not so great ones. Right. And the key is picking the right realtor right off the
0: bat. It all comes down to the realtor when it, when you get down to it.
1: Right. Especially in a hot market and you and you need to act fast and you need to negotiate uh, from a
0: strong position. Yeah. And in, in, in a matter of days, if not half of a day, Chris, can mean thousands of dollars gained or lost. Right. And market knowledge as well. Mm-hmm.
1: So we've known Leanne for a little while now. And I can tell you this. She's tuned into the food world. So I would say if there's anyone listening out there and they want someone who understands where they're coming from. And where they want to come from when they go to a restaurant, Leanne is
0: the one to call. And that number would actually be 503-349-7890, or go online to leannebach.com. That's L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H.com.
1: Do it. We love Leanne, and, and she's here to support not only us, but our entire Portland food world.
0: So, uh, Chris, I understand things going pretty well for these upcoming uh, trips to Europe in the fall. PFA International. Yeah.
1: Tuscany. With Chef Rick Gencarelli of Lardo and Grassa, if you're a fan of theirs and you know him at all, or if you don't know him. We're going to have a great time doing uh, foraging for truffles, eating incredible food, beer tasting, wine tasting in Tuscany. We also have seven days in Barcelona, our third trip that we've done with Chef Jose Chessa of Chessa, Ataula, and 180. Go eat churros in Barcelona with Chef Jose. Yeah. And, uh, and we have some space there. Our Tuscany trip is almost full, and we have some space for Barcelona. So um, we welcome anybody to come along and contact me for more information.
0: Yeah, and then you can go to uh, PortlandFoodAdventures.com. The uh, the blog tab will give you the itineraries and, and how to contact Chris. I'll just tell you right now. You know. can call 503-395-5900. Okay, that's one way. You also, do you have some events coming up as well? Portland? I do. Some local events? Thanks for asking, Court. You're, you're welcome. Uh, we're at Dame uh, in
1: late February. You can look out. It's February 21st. Uh, Doing a wine-centric event, which we've never done before, uh, really focusing on natural wines. You can hear Dana Frank recently uh, in our archives on Right at the Fork. And then we're at Quaintrell, March 29th, with Chef Bill Wallander. And that's a beautiful restaurant, excellent food, and uh, one of the new places that we've talked about quite a few times on Right at the Fork with Gary the Glutton. (laughs) And what I didn't ask cool. you is what what got you to Portland? How'd you get from
3: Oh um, South
1: Carolina here? If that's well, you're...
3: yeah, I was working at Husk and I had been there for a year and a half um, from opening, and I had lived in Charleston at that point for probably about I think like seven years. That's um, one of
1: the used before I moved out here. Yeah, Charleston, San Francisco. My oh two yeah. favorite cities. Oh yeah, I mean, Charleston, Vancouver. Charleston Montreal. is
3: wonderful. Charleston is beautiful, and the food scene there is incredible. You know. I, I feel pretty spoiled to have been a part of it for such a long time because I think the food there is some of the best in the country. Like I, I really do.
1: I don't when I was there it was nineteen last. My parents were in Savannah. Mm-hmm. So we made a few trips to Charleston. Yeah. And, um I don't remember there being a food so Oh god, so. it's so
3: good. It's so good now. Something happened. Um I mean, it's not not something happened. I mean, Sean yeah, they, Sean Brock was a big part of it. Well,
1: that's, that's um, what Bourdain cited. Right, uh,
3: right. And Mike Lotta, who I believe Bourdain also spent a little bit of time with. Mike Lotta was a huge part of it. You know, there were these guys who came out of kind of the classic southern restaurant scene that was there in Charleston that wasn't, you know, anything that was being paid attention to on a national scale. And they came out of that and... It just exploded. They were just doing their own thing. They were bringing in other techniques, other flavors, like all this cool stuff. And all of a sudden, there was all this space for a new cuisine to kind of create itself. And and that's what happened.
1: But it's not a very large city. It's so not
3: It's not big at all, but there's I mean, so it, much.
1: I, I'm not looking at the numbers, but I would estimate it's like a third the size of Portland.
3: Yeah, I think if that. It's, yeah. it's very small, um, but there is like this concentrated pool of talent. Basically, you know, over the past, I would say probably six years, so many people have moved there to cook. And why, it's isn't, just why like, isn't
1: Savannah caught on?
3: I don't know. Maybe it it's should. next. I don't know. It's,
1: it's beautiful. Savannah's it's beautiful. Got, <laughs> it's got a vibe that should yeah. have a wonderful food culture. Yeah. It's not that great. It, I, think
3: that, I think that people, I think that one of the things that happened in Charleston was that people started paying attention to the traditional foodways there. You know, people started paying attention to the heirloom crops that were grown there before that people were ignoring. You know, people basically brought the past back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could happen anywhere in the South. Everything's so regional. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if if that happened in Savannah. Somebody just has to start doing the digging and the reading and paying attention.
1: I'm sure there are people who have tried it, but it just hasn't it hasn't struck the way Sean yeah. has, I guess, or Charleston has. Yeah, I first, the, the first moment I had this idea for... Portland Food Adventures, mm-hmm. a different iteration of what it is now. Was in um Hilton Head Yeah at a place called Dye's Gullah Fixins. Oh really? And I walked in there, no one was in there. It was mm-hmm. five o'clock and there's this huge African American woman mm-hmm. and welcoming me and and then she served the fried chicken and mm-hmm. she said, You let that sit there for five minutes. You yep. can't eat it right away. Yep. And I was like really i have never heard that. And she just kept bringing over more and more and more. And so <laughs> it was like your dinner. I was going to say, it you wonder very, where
3: I I found that. I you know,
1: know, but it was just more, I was like, how can I possibly, I've said that so many times mm-hmm. since, but that was a time, when there was no way I could possibly eat this. Right. Um, at any rate, that was a really special, and that's that's really the roots of what Sean said he's doing, mm-hmm. is you know the stuff that's been passed down for generations exactly. where people had to, they had to make do with what they had. Yeah,
3: Gullah Gullah Geechee cooking basically. Um from from the coast of South Carolina, from the Sea Islands, all all of that stuff. That is basically, I don't know, Southern food is so cool. There there are so many different cultures and cuisines that came together to create this one thing. You know, it's it's African and it's British and Irish and it's Native American it's just like this giant pileup of all of these people all of these poor people living off the land with what they were able to find basically yeah and, and it's inspirational it's beautiful like I there have been so many times with me where I've been reading old cookbooks you know just trying trying to investigate like where did this come from you know where did cornbread come from all of these different things and you, you feel like you feel like there are ghosts in the room with you sometimes. Like it's just so incredible to be doing something um, that is so historic and that comes from that kind of
1: place. Do you think you're going to stick with
3: that? I don't know. I, I have absolutely no idea. Or the
1: I, day may come where you go, I want to go this Asian direction.
3: Well, I mean, I don't know. I've I've toyed around with with the idea of pulling more from other cuisines. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to all kinds well, of things. Well, you
1: have the forum, you have your own fixed course
3: It's meal true. It's true. You say
1: this one's going to be this and this one's going to be that. I think, Even-
3: yeah, I think that we want to try to collaborate with, uh, some other chefs in town. I know that I've been talking to Han about doing a collaboration together because like I mentioned, Korean and Southern food mm-hmm. just go so well together. Um, so we have that in the works, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that may is very much its own thing you know it's it's a tribute project basically like it's it's grandmother worship you know and the idea of being able to bring other chefs in to let them do that for their grandmothers as well like that's really appealing to me
1: that's very cool so recently you won the chili jamboree here right? that was a big thing it was
3: unexpected
1: right so you're up against the big you know some big dogs big dogs yeah and uh and I, were you surprised when you took that home? I was
3: super surprised. I I totally expected you know someone who was famous <laughs> or at Gregory least had a and, restaurant.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> you know, I was like the only person there without a a restaurant. Um, so that was super cool. Yeah, I mean, I obviously I thought Gigi was gonna win. I thought Gregory Gorday would win. Um, so yeah, it was.
1: Well, he won that a couple of years ago. Too, right. Right. With a curry.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and his chili was super good. They were all really good. It was awesome. Um, So I was very flattered.
1: But part of that is all of a sudden I, I feel like you're very visible. Well, that's uh, cool. Well, and you don't have a, you know, you don't have a big publicity machine. You're Right. You're using social media <laughs> and you, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I see, you know, see a lot. And we've been involved with a couple of little things or something mm-hmm. together. So that's cool. And you're out there. And you like a lot, you know, people love you. You're easy to hug, That's huggable. Nice, huh? So uh, talk a little bit about some of the places that you're digging the most. Oh my God, the your places notes. I'm digging you the most. I know I, I
3: wrote down my notes because I am very afraid of freezing on the spot. I, I don't always improv as well as I should. So I wrote, da- I tried to write down a brief list of favorite it's places. It's hard to and have a
1: brief list, but. Of,
3: yeah, it kind of exploded. Um, so obviously, Tanuki. Mm-hmm. We we know and love Tanuki,
1: but see that's for you to mention that Janice doesn't want everybody to. No, hear No, I know. That okay, so there. never
3: mind. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. You shouldn't go there. Right, it's exactly. Really, it's unpleasant. It's harsh. You know, the lights are all red. It looks like a strip club. Exactly. Um, you
1: just did. You just did yeah. Her.
3: Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so aside from that, um, I I'm obsessed with Kachka. Kachka is is probably my go to place. Um, I went there last night, actually, because I had a friend in from out of town who I actually used to live with here in Portland. She's been living in Boise for the past three years. And she was like, have any new places open? I since was going to say, left? well,
1: that's an interesting mm-hmm. commentary to hear what she thinks. Three yeah. Years later. Yeah.
3: She was basically like, oh, are there any cool new places? No. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you've been gone for three years. OK, cool. Let's uh, let's try to figure that out.
1: In most cities, though, you wouldn't. You would think have that a, there would be
3: a few new places. Yeah, a couple of yeah new places. and it's like here we have what, like 10 every month or something? I'd right? say 40%
1: like <laughs> of what's out there is open in the last three years. It's it insane. Like.
3: It's crazy. So, yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, oh my God, out of all these places, where do I take her? And I started thinking, like, where can she not, like, what can she not have in Boise? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I bet there's not an upscale Russian restaurant in Boise. Probably not. Right. So we went and she totally freaked out and uh, it was great. Everything at Kochka, Kochka has probably some of the best service in the city. Um,
1: Israel is amazing.
3: Yeah, he's incredible. I mean, like, I, I remember, it's so funny, like, I've taken so many girlfriends there, and when Israel comes over to, like, do your tea cocktail at the end of the meal and he's lighting the orange on fire and all the girls are just all, like, googly-eyed, <laughs> it's, like, the funniest thing ever. Um, yeah, he and Bonnie are both incredibly charming and so talented, and they're obviously such a good team. Um so yeah, and the food is always consistent and it's always delicious. Have
1: they been to one of your?
3: No, fitness? not yet, not yet. I'm trying okay, to get them well in that, there. Okay,
1: well, if they're listening, you got to get there. You're, the pressure's on. Oh, right.
3: I know. Now, now that they know that I'm like a stalker, super stalker, creeper, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm also obsessed with Lovely's Fifty Fifty, mm-hmm. as you know, as we've discussed. Um, I think it is the most seasonal restaurant in Portland. I think that no one does uh, like the micro seasons. Quite like Sarah Minnick does. Um, Every day her menu is different and every day it's a perfect snapshot of what is growing, you know, in that five day period or whatever. And I find that really incredible. And she's obviously talented and a magician. Um, I'm super jealous of her uh, her bread skills and her kombucha making and all of that stuff. So I love lovelies. What else do I love? I wrote down so many things. Um, I love, I've been going to, Do you, are House. you a pizza lover? I am a pizza lover. I'm going to, I'm going to pizza jerk tonight. Soft oh, nice. Soft opening. Yeah, I love pizza. I love pizza. Um, I'm very picky with pizza though.
1: Yeah. Well, so. I think a lot of people think they are. There aren't right. many people that say I'll eat anything. Right. Especially I mean, around like, here.
3: I'll eat any pizza. Like I'll, I'll eat any, any pizza. Like even really bad pizza is still good because it's pizza to me. Um, but yeah, Sarah's is incredible.
1: But yeah. I'm, no, it's, um, She told me, we had her on the podcast a while ago. Uh-huh. You can go in there and order what you want. I didn't know that. I thought that was. Oh, really? A, yeah. You, you can just the, build your own? Sort of. Yeah. Not to get crazy about uh-huh. it, but if you don't want the kale on the sausage pie, you can tell her to leave oh, the kale. Oh, wow. I
3: would never even think of that. Yeah. No, I just put and all of my said. trust in her. Yeah. You when have I go to
1: put her. your trust in her. But there are certain pies that there's one thing that you think, hey, I almost mm-hmm. wish that wasn't on there. Or maybe you can add this. So. That's pretty yeah, cool. She's Yeah, it's great. And it's a nice vibe in her salads. Oh yeah, I always great. say I'm not, I should eat more salads. When whenever <laughs> I have a salad there, I'm thinking I should eat I this eat, all the time. Yes, yeah. exactly.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, she, like I said, she sources impeccably. Like all of her produce is just beautiful. Um, she gets a lot of her stuff at this point from the same guy that we get a lot of our stuff from, Dan Sullivan um, of Black Locust Farm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've talked about him to you very much. No. He's incredible. He worked for Gathering Together Farms for a long time. He's from Vermont. Um, He is a huge nerd. (laughs) He's like the biggest vegetable nerd. All he talks about is vegetables. It's incredible. Um, And he has this one-man operation. He has a single acre of land, and he tills it, plants the seeds, takes care of the plants, picks the vegetables, washes them, delivers them, everything himself. Um, And his produce is really really special it's that thing where you can you can feel the love that goes into it again um so yeah he's awesome and we use cool i'm sure are
1: probably a lot of farmers like
3: that though around here i haven't found that many okay yeah not that many not not on that scale he's like yeah he's doing like very much like boutique vegetables kind of you know like everything is perfect like he pours over every radish before he bundles it up for you to make sure that it's
1: does that make it more expensive
3: no no, he, yeah, it's just it's just all perfect. He's doing a really great job. Okay, um, so that's the thing that we have in common, Sarah and I. Um, I go to Bit House a lot recently.
1: Mm-hmm. That's um, a nice vibe. for
3: cocktails. Yeah, it's like my f- my favorite cocktail bar right now um, because the cocktails. I feel like the menu changes over every few times I go in, which is really exciting. Um, and they just launched a menu of warm drinks for the cold weather, and they're incredible. I went there the other night and had like hot apple cider with cachaça and like some other crazy stuff and it was just out of control. What's oh, cachaça? Cachaça, it's a sugarcane liquor. Uh, I believe it's Brazilian in origin. Um and it is so good. Well, she
1: knows the Brazilian. Oh yeah, it's got, it's so I can see peripherally the head uh, her head it's, nodding. It's
3: so good and so <laughs> unexpected to put that in hot apple cider. Um I think it might actually be barrel-aged cachaça, which makes a little bit more sense, but but still, crazy, and that's the thing. It's like it's fun. It's unexpected. Every time you go in there, it's something new and exciting. So, I'm super into that. Do you need Do you need more places? Oh, Should just I keep talking? one or two
1: more. Because you know what, you're doing such. A, I love your descriptions. <laughs> thank you. you. Make the, there's not just a list. It's the reasons behind everything. Oh, yeah. And there's love in all. Well, there of has them, to so. be.
3: There has to be a reason behind
1: everything. Well, yeah, but not not everyone is articulate about oh. the reasons. Well, so. thank you.
3: Um, other places. Uh. Well, number one, this is a favorite place that doesn't exist anymore, which is heartbreaking. Uh, Taste of Sichuan up in Vancouver.
1: That was recent. That was recent. Yeah. yeah, they
3: they closed, I think, just a couple of weeks ago. And I'm still kind of devastated, reeling from that blow. Some,
1: yeah, it's hard to find good Chinese.
3: It's really hard. Um, so that makes me really sad. But hopefully, hopefully I can find something else. Um,
1: you probably will.
3: Probably. I really like uh, Pure Spice. Have you been there? No. Um, never even heard of it. It's I think it's at like Division and 86th-ish. Okay. I, I believe. It's right over by Wong's King. Okay. Um, and they do dim sum, but it's to order. Um, so everything that you get is actually at the right temperature, um, right consistency, and you don't have to fight over carts and all that stuff. And how stuff.
1: do you spell that? How is pure spice?
3: Pure spice. Just pure, pure spice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, pure. Pure. Pure spice, I said yeah.
1: Okay, well that makes no, perfect pure,
3: sense. no pure pure spice. There's a big sign in the window that says no MSG, and I don't know if that's really a thing, but uh, yeah. Sam Bacall uh, from the Oregonian actually recommended it to me, and it's go-to. Haven't looked back. I love cool. that place. All right, one more. One more. Um, oh God, God, there's so many. I wrote down too much stuff. Um, I'm newly All uh, right, two
1: more. That's fine. Oh God,
3: <laughs> I'm newly obsessed with Mika. I think that's how you pronounce it. Maybe that's not how you pronounce it. M E space K H A. Um it's a Vietnamese and Cambodian noodle place that's at like seventieth and sandy. Okay. And it's honestly it's it's got some of the same soups that Javiel does. And you know I love Javiel. We've talked about this before. Mm. Um they have some of the same soups, but they're available every day and they're they're really, really good. Like I don't wanna I, I feel like saying anything negative about Javiel is like impossible like you can't do it um but yeah because like really really good
1: oh cool another one
3: yeah i was there for lunch today just before i came here and i ran into tommy habits from uh from bunk and pizza jerk yeah and so that was nice it's like it's nice to go places like that and run into someone you know, and you get to have lunch with a friend. I've
1: done every time I've been to Javier, I run into somebody. Oh yeah, there's always there's always somebody. I've seen Andy Rickard. Andy Ricker's there, a there times, like it, all the Peter time. Peter Bro. Mm-hmm. Dwayne so.
3: Sorensen's there all the time.
1: Yeah, I probably don't even know that I'm who I'm sitting next <laughs> to half the time. <laughs> Um, but I haven't been there as much as you have. That's for
3: sure. Yeah, probably
1: five, six visits.
3: Oh, yeah. I, would, I think for uh, a while I was going like. Twice so away. I'm
1: really enjoying this. But one more, and then and then one I, more. Wanna, I have one more question for you, and then we're good.
3: One more, uh, Fahang, Fahang at 82nd there you go, the and Polish. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big thing for I me. Almost
1: should have mandated that it wasn't Asian.
3: I know. Well, I tried. I wrote down a really big list, but then I don't know. I get distracted really easily. Fahang to me is very special because it's not just about the food. Like, the food is really good. I think it's my favorite straight-up pho in town. Um, But every time I go there, they they know who I am, I guess, at this point because I've come in there probably once a week for the last two and a half years. (laughs) Um, But there's this lady who I don't know if she's the owner or the manager or what, but she's always behind the cash register. And as soon as I walk in, she smiles at me and waves hello. And then at the end of my meal, I go up to pay her and she just starts asking me questions like, oh, are you working today? Are you still a cook? Oh, that's great. Uh, Do you have your own place? Do you have health insurance? How are you sick? How is your health? Uh, Your skin looks nice today. Oh, you wore your hair up. Like, it's just like all this. It's like family Basically, like it's like I have a a mom.
1: I was going to say, you know, like I I have a mom in the West Coast. I have
3: a mom that I can go to and I go there when I'm sick and I'm not feeling well, you know, and she's like always there to take care of me. I went there when I was sick probably about a month and a half ago and she could tell. And as I walked up to pay my bill, she dug into her purse and grabbed out like a big fistful of Ricola cough drops. And just handed them to me. Exactly. And she just handed them to me and she told me that she gives them to people in church when they're coughing and it interrupts the sermon.
1: Oh, that's very nice.
3: You know what I mean? And I was just like, ugh, like I love you. Like thank you for being here for me. Thank you for being my West Coast mom.
1: Cool. So yeah. So, you know, one of the things that excites uh, that I, I feel like you're one of the most exciting chefs in Portland right now. Here's why. No, very simply, here's why. I'm not just saying that. You're really young. I don't know how old you are, but you look really young. <laughs> how old do you think I am? Oh, I don't want to do that. Uh, but you're in, or you're in your 20s. I'm 28. That's about where I would have put it. Okay. So uh, you're really young. You have so much in front of you. And when I first sat down to, when I went to May mm-hmm. um, and I sat down and I looked at the menu and I thought my first, I had this, this I took me back to Dye's Gullah Fixins, Yeah. Right, it's with so many things, <laughs> and it was served with such love. Now she's been doing that for th- twenty years. Yeah, her mother was doing it. You're twenty eight, and you were serving that, and you're uh, you did such a marvelous job. I'm like a
3: grandmother at twenty eight, basically. It's,
1: yeah, but it's the pretty funny. <laughs> the skills were all there. The it was just delicious, and just the experience of watching everybody. As soon as that fried chicken came. Of watching everybody pick it up and eat it and look around and see everybody's faces. Oh,
3: it's my favorite thing because the room is always so loud. You know, like we, we play the music it's pretty silent. loud. We try to create like a party kind of atmosphere because it's supposed to be fun, mm-hmm. you know. And the chicken hits the table and it just goes silent. Mm-hmm. It's like the best thing. I love it so much.
1: It's And it's such good. And I love fried chicken. That yeah. was some stellar fried chicken. Thank we you. just talked about it this morning. Court. And I was—he was kind enough to invite me on yeah. to uh, his wonderful morning show on Kink, and uh, we talked about that this morning. Awesome. So, um, uh, and Irving Street Kitchen—I uh, Sheila had said she had just at Irving Street Kitchen, and I said, "Well, I got one. Nothing against Sarah because her fried chicken is fantastic, right? But I have one. If you like that, you need to go to oh, well, Meg. So." we find it at may dot PDX, com. yeah m-a-e
3: m-a-e pdx.com right.
1: and what yeah. other social media
3: um, wonderful uh, things should so, people
1: follow to follow you
3: instagram at may PDX. you can also follow me personally on instagram which is at maya lovelace how do which you, is
1: how do you manage that the two
3: it's really poorly <laughs> I manage it so do, really
1: poorly. So do you check the Maya like f- every three days and keep the, which one's the one that's on your phone that you're posting to?
3: It's my personal one because that, that's where I post, you know, here's a picture of my soup that I ate today. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas on the May one, I try to actually only post.
1: May you know. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay.
3: Um, and then we also have a Facebook page, which I think is just facebook.com slash MayPDX. Right. Um, but yeah, it's really, so, it's all so done through the nights. mailing list. So the yeah. deal is
1: that the Old Salt at behind Old Salt Marketplace, mm-hmm. you're there every Wednesday night.
3: Every Wednesday night, yeah. And we have been doing uh, ticketing through Brown Paper Tickets, but we're actually going back to our original format, uh, which is uh, suggested cash donation. So basically we'll didn't tell you— Why did the ticketing you, work? I feel like people are less willing to make a commitment.
1: Yeah, but then basically. you get cancellations.
3: Exactly. So it's hard, Um We kind of were trying to figure out, you know, back when we first started and we were doing email reservations only, we had dinners selling out in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then we switched to ticketing and it was like we've had several dinners that didn't fill up. And so we're like, you know, is it better to just have a couple people that cancel the morning of and still sell out in 10 minutes? Because that's fun and exciting and everybody loves that kind of stuff. Maybe there's a hybrid
1: somewhere in there. So we'll figure it out. We're
3: testing things. You know,
1: I was pleased... With Portland Food Adventures we mm-hmm. haven't I stopped doing December events because I just thought everybody all I heard was no we're doing this and we're doing that. Right. Selling out everything but December. So we just did sold out at twice your ticket price. Um yeah. pretty fast. So it's yeah, a excited. testament to what you're doing. So tickets do can yeah, sell. Tickets can sell. I, so, I
3: think we're just we're trying to find yeah, what appeals to people the most. The cool thing about doing the suggested donation is that, you know, we want we want cooks to be able to come. Mm-hmm. We want cooks and and bartenders. We want all the people from the industry. We want well everyone really. We want it to be accessible. Um, and so by doing the suggested donation, it's basically like we give you kind of an estimate of what what we think you should pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think it's worth more than that, that's great. Pay us a little bit more. And then some people come and they don't have that much money and they pay us less. And it basically evens, evens out, out somewhere in the middle yeah so it's just kind of it's that's kind of a very
1: a, cool way to yeah, do it. And, yeah and the, the people who have it will they're not set at that that one right. mark so exactly. that's cool yeah. well thank you so much yeah thank I, you so this much was for really having fun. me i knew this would be one of the longer ones because oh sorry. I enjoy talking to you but, um, <laughs> i talk a lot Yeah. Well, i can talk a little too but i'm <laughs> glad to hear you talk a lot today so oh, thank you um thanks so much of course we'll thank see, you for we'll having
3: see me you soon
2: oh yes Right at the Fork is supported by PortlandFoodAndDrink.com. The legendary food dude dishes up Portland food news and comprehensive guides to just about everything that has to do with food in Portland. From coffee and wine shops to bakeries and more. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Arielle Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.